The Secret to Solving the Obesity Puzzle. This is Carrie, and I love puzzles. Anybody that knows me knows that I like putting a puzzle together. And I am really good at putting the obesity treatment puzzle together. I want to bring you my knowledge, share with you, dissect each topic, and explain why it's so important for you to understand that each topic plays a very important role with the management of obesity and the treatment for obesity. Let's keep learning and building our masterpiece towards health and wellness. How's your health and wellness puzzle coming? Are you learning and being able to apply all the knowledge that you've learned so far? I hope I've been able to bring to you some pearls of wisdom to improve your overall health status and to help your patients. Identifying how complex obesity management is and all the different facets that belong to it. Let's keep working on our puzzle. Oh, how sweet it is. I want to talk about artificial sweeteners and how they fit into the obesity management puzzle. Also, I want to talk about other sweeteners, natural sweeteners, how they are metabolized and broken down in our body, and the side effects of artificial sweeteners versus real sweeteners on our overall health status. So let's get started. The first artificial sweetener was discovered by accident in 1879 by a chemist. A scientist named Christanton Fallberg through the John Hopkins University Baltimore discovered saccharin, which was really the first artificial sweetener. He was working with coal tar derivatives in his lab and he noticed a sweet taste on his hand. He and another scientist kept working and further developed the synthetic chemical compound and they came up with the name saccharin. In early 1906, saccharin became controversial because of food additive concerns that were brought forth by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, proposing that saccharin be banned. But the president at the time was President Theodore Roosevelt, who needed to lose weight, and he would not allow it to be banned. And he declared, quote, anyone who says saccharin is injurious to health is an idiot. So there you have it. You have the promotion of an American president to keep using saccharin. Then saccharin was used widely during World War I because of sugar shortages. Moving on to the 1960s, it became promoted as a weight loss aid, most familiar under the trade name Sweet and Low. Saccharin was further studied, and it was found in rat models to cause bladder cancer. In 1977, the Act of Congress required Sweet and Low packaging to bear the cancer warning label. But in 2000, Further studies were done in human models in metabolism, and saccharin was not shown to cause bladder cancer. Therefore, the warning label requirements was rescinded by the federal government. Although artificial sweeteners were developed as a sugar substitute to help reduce insulin resistance and obesity, now data in both 
animal models and human models suggest quite the opposite. We now have data that shows the effects of artificial sweeteners may contribute to metabolic syndrome and contribute to our obesity epidemic. Artificial sweeteners appear to change the host microbiome, meaning your gut healthy bacteria, lead to decreased satiety and alter glucose homeostasis, and are associated with increased caloric consumption and weight gain. If there ever was a definition of irony, I think this fits right into that. It's very ironic that a product was created to help improve one disease state, but then proven to contribute to that disease state tenfold. Not all artificial sweeteners are the same. There are multiple products that are FDA approved and each one comes with its pros and cons. First, I'm gonna talk about all the artificial sweeteners and what their names are. Then dive into natural sweeteners and other products that we can use and evaluate how they're broken down and what our guidelines are. Some of the most common artificial sweeteners are called aspartame, which I'm sure you've heard of, sucralose, saccharin, and then all of the xylitols and polyols, all of the sugar alcohols that are found within our food products. There are 20, 30, 40 different brands. The one common one that you might not have heard of is called ACE-K, Asulfame Potassium. It's FDA approved and snuck in a lot of our products. The National Library of Medicine and the NIH have performed multiple research studies regarding ACE-K. The research demonstrates that simply after just four weeks of ingestion, you will see increased body weight when using ACE-K as a sweetener. It affects our healthy gut bacteria, decreasing the good bacteria, which therefore affects the absorption and transportation of our food. ACE-K also impedes fermentation and degradation at a cellular level. It interrupts glycolysis and the TCA cycle within our gut. It interrupts gene coding and promotes inflammation, which leads to higher levels of cancer, diabetes, and other health diseases. Artificial sweeteners have also been linked in studies related to cancer development. Although there are links to cancer development in the use of artificial sweeteners, there is not one specific research study specifically stating that artificial sweeteners cause cancer. Therefore, they remain on the market. Artificial sweeteners are not all alike. Some artificial sweeteners such as urethritol, sorbitol, and mannitol do not interrupt our gut microbiome. 
but with most recent studies by the NIH that was published in 2023, stated that there was an increased risk of heart attack and stroke directly linked to ingestion of erythritol, which is one of those sugar alcohols. The mechanism of action increases the platelet sensitivity, therefore increases blood clotting, therefore can increase your risk of developing a heart attack and stroke. On the other hand, when talking about sugar alcohols, there's xylitol, which you may be very familiar with. Xylitol is found in gum, candies, lozenges, toothpaste, and mouth rinse. Xylitol is known to decrease the bacteria in our saliva, therefore helping with improving tooth decay. High doses, long-term use of xylitol can lead to tumor development. So low doses help you with bacteria in your mouth and high doses can lead to tumor development. Too much xylitol will also lead to diarrhea and bloating. I don't know if you've ever done this, but when you have a cough or a cold, you suck on your lemon lozenges or eucalyptus lozenges. All of those have xylitol in them. And if you eat more than three, four, five lozenges a day, you will probably get abdominal bloating and diarrhea. There are also a handful of polyols, those sugar alcohols that have prebiotic action. That's a good thing. Those products are isomalt, maltitol, and lactolol. Moving on from artificial sweeteners, I want to talk about natural sweeteners. Those are things such as honey, dates, sugar, coconut sugar, maple syrup, molasses, agave nectar, and fructose. These natural sugars come with a very high carbohydrate load, meaning that they have a lot of calories. We do have two natural sweeteners that have zero carbohydrates, which is monk fruit and stevia. Monk fruit comes from a small round fruit native to southern China, but it is 150 to 200 times sweeter than regular sugar. Monk fruit can be natural if you buy it in its natural state specifically stating that it's without urethritol. Another natural sugar is called stevia. It comes from leaves of the stevia plant. It is 100 to 300 times sweeter than sugar. To put things in perspective, I want to talk about what the Dietary Requirement Index is, meaning guidelines for sugar intake. A woman is six teaspoons, also known as 25 grams a day. For men is nine teaspoons, also known as 37 grams per day. Sounds like a lot, right? Well, let me put this in perspective. One medium apple equals 19 grams of sugar. One slice of white bread equals 1.5 grams of sugar. A six ounce glass of orange juice is 18 grams of sugar. One cup of snap peas is 2.5 grams of sugar. 
five ounces, one serving of wine is 1.2 grams of sugar. Now let's talk about Coca-Cola and other soda products. One 12 ounce can of cola equals 10 teaspoons of sugar, otherwise known as 39 grams. That's over the daily male limit for sugar. A 20 ounce can of soda equals 17 teaspoons of sugar. And our nation is all about supersizing, right? We want the extra large, the supersized products. Who sticks with 12 ounces of Coke or soda? One cup of milk is 13 grams of sugar. Since I'm talking about soda, I want to talk about carbonated drinks. There have been many studies published regarding carbonated drinks and how they lead to osteoporosis. There was a famous study called the Framingham Osteoporosis Study in 2006 that stated intake of cola, but not other carbonated drinks, is associated with decreased bone mineral density and it is related to the carbonic acid. How do we get carbonated drinks? Water and other drinks can be infused with carbon dioxide. This results in carbonation. The potential link between carbonated drinks and bone mass erosion is related to the pH balance of the carbonic acid. So plain water is neutral with a pH of 7. Carbonated water has a pH of 5.25. Phosphoric acid, which is in the dark color of Coca-Cola or other cola products, has a pH of 1.5. But when you look at natural things, cranberry juice has a pH of 2.5, which is extremely corrosive. Therefore, just simply drinking carbonated water that's potentially flavored with berries or cucumbers, there's lots of products on the market and those actually are considered to be safe and not leading to osteoporosis or bone mass destruction. When talking about all sweet things, artificial or natural, you cannot ignore where high fructose corn syrup <laughs> comes into play. High fructose corn syrup, that's a mouthful. <laughs> the abbreviation is HFCS, so that's what I'm gonna say, is derived from corn starch, which is a chain of glucose all put together. When the chain is broken down into individual glucose molecules, that is what makes up corn syrup, which is 100% glucose. Then enzymes are added to convert the glucose into fructose, another simple sugar that gives it the high concentration. And the high concentration fructose corn syrup contains either 42% or 55% fructose which is used in all of our processed foods, cereals, baked goods, beverages, we just talked about soda, ice cream, flavored yogurts, and condiments. 
our ketchup, our mustard, our mayonnaise all have HFCS. Why is HFCS in so many food products? It's because our government subsidizes corn for manufacturing and also promotes subsidies to our farmers. With the subsidies, corn becomes very cheap. It is a cheap sweetener and much more sweet than real sugar. Because it is so cheap and less is used because it's much sweeter, it saves money. To produce HFCS uses a process of artificial ingredients, but they're pretty clever and you have to watch your nutrition label if it does not directly contact the corn starch itself, they can literally put on the label that it has natural sweeteners. In fact, it really has high fructose corn syrup. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration says that the U.S. has the highest consumption of HFCS that runs about 55 pounds per person per year. That's incredible. In the olden days, before HFCS was developed, the US average for sugar intake was 20 pounds per person per year. No wonder we have such an obesity <laughs> epidemic between our artificial sweeteners that lead us to gain weight and then HFCS consumption that has more than doubled. Moving on to sucrose, which is sugar. Sugar is one glucose molecule and one fructose molecule, exact ratio of one to one. Let's get down to the nitty gritty of metabolism. How does our body break all this down? Good news is that glucose is metabolized in every single cell of our body. So eating natural sugar is obviously the best for you. Doses of high fructose are only metabolized by our liver cells. Our liver cells are the only place that it can process fructose which triggers production of triglycerides and cholesterol. Our liver converts glucose to glycogen and then to fat storage. Now remember, HFCS is 42% to 55% fructose, making it much harder for our bodies to break it down and metabolize it. By having such elevated levels of fructose, also leads to increased levels of uric acid. Elevated fructose level prevents our blood vessels from relaxing, therefore increases our blood pressure. Elevated fructose increases fat accumulation within the liver itself, leading to fatty liver disease. Lastly, elevated fructose, when going through the GI tract, can create micro holes in our bowel and lead to leaky gut syndrome, which triggers inflammation. Therefore, HFCS is just bad for you. Okay, I want to recap. I talked about all sorts of things that are sweet 
Do you have a sweet tooth? Are you the one that drinks your regular soda one, two cans a day, maybe one or two cans a week? How about carbonated drinks with artificial sweeteners? Well, I just discussed that artificial sweeteners are directly linked to weight gain and obesity. So how many of us feel by drinking a Diet 7-Up or Mountain Dew that we're better off versus having the real thing? But the real thing, when you look at the product label, has high fructose corn syrup. (laughs) So it's a conundrum, right? You want something sweet. You think you're doing better by having the diet soda or having a sugar substitute, uh, diet muffins, diabetic muffins, diet ice cream versus the real thing. But then when you look at the real thing, they sneak in the HFCS. So what is there to do? (laughs) The best advice I can give you is if you can at all possible, make things homemade. Know what products are going into it. Use the most natural substances. We now have monk fruit and stevia, which will help lower our carbohydrate load and still provide us with that sweet satisfaction that we're looking for. But really err on the side of if you don't know what's in it or you're not sure, then don't eat it, don't drink it. You're better off with just plain old water. All right, I hope you've learned something awesome today about all the sweet stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the otherwise, and how we metabolize it. This is just another piece of the health and wellness puzzle. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and more to come.